The Talk of the Street is brought to you by Donahue Solicitors, an award-winning firm of expert compensation claims lawyers. Donahue Solicitors represents claimants throughout England and Wales in their civil actions against the police, data breach, personal injury, and professional negligence claims. To start your compensation claim, go to www.donahue-solicitors.co.uk or call 08000-124-246 today. Mind you, staying in a log cabin seems dead romantic. Quite looking forward to it, actually. Very wild west. Uh, well, I, I believe they, they originated in, in Scandinavia and Eastern Europe, possibly Bronze Age, so somewhat earlier than John Wayne. Oh, really? Oh, dearie me, another illusion shattered. Thank oh, you. Apologies. <laughs> and welcome to episode 53 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street catch-up podcast that needs an app. An app will make everything better. If only we had an app and one of us killed someone. What's an app? I'm Gavin. And I hate Millennial Jay. Oh. I don't, I, <laughs> I don't think I hate him, but he's so I don't millennial. Even know, I don't even know if he's actually a millennial. He may be Generation Z. Is that the official name for What comes after millennials? Yeah. Yeah, so... Two out of my three children are Generation Z. And the other millennial, millennial spans a huge amount of it's age groups. It's like it's seventy nine like, to ninety eight. Yes, yeah, so that's like from twenty till almost forty are millennials. We have a millennial that's running for president. Yes, we do. Mayor Pete Pete Buttigieg. Woman, I have the T shirt. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> yes, he's our first millennial running for president, and he's also our first. Out gay running for president. That's lovely. Yes. yes. That means he has no chance. <laughs> I say first out gay because we have had a gay president before, but oh, really? he wasn't he wasn't out. Yeah, James Who? Buchanan. Oh, that was not going to be my guess. <laughs> it was an open secret during the time. Everybody knew it. Nobody cared. Was he a two term president? Uh I'm determined to know this. Because <laughs> if it was an open secret and it was too terminal, that's lovely because that means that people voted for him. <sighs> he was our 15th president. So 1857 to 1861. So that's... Oh, just one term. Just one term. Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> and then he was followed by, by Lincoln. Oh, well, that's fair enough. Yeah. Yes. He's the only president to remain a lifelong bachelor. Wink. <laughs> anyway. Yes, this has... A little lit- bit of US history there. Little or nothing to do with Cornathan <laughs> Cornathan Street? With a Nathan Street. Cornathan Street. Suffering succotash. It's the second time I've said that this week. <laughs> and neither time, neither time has been right. I said it in our Spongebob. I attributed that to Daffy Duck. And it wasn't Daffy Duck. Yeah, it was Sylvester the Cat. I knew I was wrong when I said that. But anyway... <laughs> No, Daffy Duck was your despicable. And yesterday, all my troubles seemed so... As Danny Baker, we're not allowed to talk about Danny Baker. <laughs> no. <laughs> not anymore, not since it happened. Poor Danny Baker. I thought it was Perky Pig that did the... No. 
Danny played it quite a bit. Mm. What did Porky Pig do? He did a Beatles song too, I thought. Oh well. Never enjoyed mm. Porky Pig. You don't like Porky Pig? Nope. Yeah, he doesn't wear any pants, but he does wear a blazer. And that's disturbing. I'd rather he be completely naked like Daffy Duck most of the time. And Bugs Bunny most well, of the time. Donald Duck doesn't wear pants either. But the interesting thing about Donald Duck is that when he comes out with the shower, he wears a towel around his <laughs> nether regions. <laughs> most cartoons do that, don't they? Hmm. It's weird. You can't see my wet junk. <laughs> but you can absolutely see my dry junk. <laughs> that was... That was a difficult week in Coronation Street this week again, I thought. It was. It was. I mean, especially today. I kept throwing my iPad across the bed saying, nope, I can't watch this. I can just barely listen to it, but I can't watch it. Could you smell it? No, thank God. I could smell it. Well, <laughs> Didn't smell good. No, no. I imagine Rick's office especially to be very oh. rank and mildewy. Yeah. Musty. Quite musty. It looks gross. I think we need a good week. I think soon. so too. And I think we've got one coming up. Oh, fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, I think we're heading towards this holiday thing. <coughs> and I think we're heading towards uh, Do you think some we'll kind see them on holiday? Oh, yeah. I think so. Holiday. Yeah. Holly Bobs. Coronation Street and Holly Bobs, y'all. I know. They said Holly Bobs. <laughs> the only person I've ever heard say Holly Bobs before was you. Yeah. <laughs> and now you know it wasn't an original gavinism. Well, yeah. that's a shame. I'm sorry, or, or just a Scottishism, because it wasn't a Scottish person on the show that oh, said no, it. Oh, no, it wasn't Scottishism, no. Yeah. No. Holly bulbs. Shall we preamble, my dear? Yeah, let's, let's get this over with. <laughs> I love you guys, but this just was such a bad week. I didn't enjoy it. No. Anyway, our mailbag. Canadian Helen got in touch. She said, uh, Alina storyline sounds familiar. It reminds me of the 2007 storyline where Carla hired some Polish machinists who were working illegally. Carla had her own line of clothing called Trendy Tots. The orders were coming in quickly and she didn't have enough staff to get the orders out. There was even a cover-up when one of the Polish workers died in the factory after she fell down the stairs while working after hours. Oh dear, so Carla's been unethical for years then. Yeah, more than a decade. Yeah, Yeah. so why do we feel sorry for her again? Uh, Presentism. Uh. Stuff that's going on just now. Helen knows so much more about Corey. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> than either of us do, I think. It's quite impressive. Well done, Hill. Thank yeah. you. Oh, thank you. And then John G responded to that comment by saying, hashtag, justice for Casia. <laughs> <laughs> then Chris, yes, that one got in touch. He had, <laughs> kind of off topic, he was at a, a yard sale or a junk sale or mm-hmm. something and found two cardboard cutouts of uh, Doctor Who characters. There was a, a Dalek and a Dalek. Yeah. And he decided to send me pictures of them, which I was like, do not tell Helen. <laughs> and he said that I have no use for them, no space for them, and plenty of more pressing demands on my cash. But still, in 2009, I did sound for a touring version of Doctor Who for the BBC. Awesome. Yeah, wasn't that fancy? Yes. It was an impossibly complex job requiring more concentration than anything he'd had to deal with before, simultaneously juggling the volumes of a live band, an orchestra, sound effects, and a sizable cast. Apart from the sleep deprivation and stress, what I'll remember most about that punishing jaunt around the arenas of the motherland was how genuinely terrifying the Daleks truly were. They only appeared towards the end of the story, and when they emerged en masse and turned to face the audience, barking threats and menace to a soundtrack of epic Wagner-esque music, 
I shut myself every time. (laughs) (laughs) Even though we would do two or three performances a day and I knew they were being inhabited and piloted by small, svelte human females, the fear was real. It was also interesting how alluring the Silurians were, despite appearing to be 50% lizard. Carry on. I don't know who that is. Yeah. And really the only Silurian we see on the show is a lesbian, so wouldn't be interested in our Chris anyway. You don't watch Doctor Who. None of this makes sense. You have no no idea. Or interest. Which is fine. Have they made Dalek scope stairs yet? They can fly. Oh, they can fly now. Okay. Yeah, they can fly now. Yeah. Hindsight corner. Nothing in hindsight corner. I thought there was something last week. There may well have been. I haven't had a chance to listen back to last week, so I don't oh, know if we've got anything wrong. Do you know, I have been so lazy about Coronation <laughs> Street this week. Because well, not only have I not watched, not only have I not listened to our episode last week, I didn't watch Monday's episodes until Wednesday. And you didn't watch Wednesday's episode until today. Until today. <laughs> and then I watched Friday's episodes today. So I watched like... I had surgery this week and yet I've watched it every single day. Yeah, you've been ahead of me. Yeah. All week. It's weird. I don't know. I just couldn't... <sighs> you could be arsed. I wasn't feeling it. Whereas I can watch it in bed. Yeah. Shall we dive in, my dear? Yes, please. Okay, okay. Our first storyline of... T- this is a strange storyline to start with. <sighs> Which one is it? Rover's Got Talent. Okay, that's fine. Something just fell. Yeah, I have no idea what that was. On Monday, Beth brought Kirk a sausage roll, but he claims to have already had his dinner and he's busy. He seems to be in a bit of a mood with her, Beth. She apologises, but he doesn't think she has his back anymore. She didn't want to see him getting hurt and Sean sticks up for her, but Kirk needs to get packing. <coughs> oh dear. You didn't ask me what I was drinking. Oh fuck, what are you drinking? <laughs> As I choke on it, I remember. Well, you mentioned Doctor Who. I still have my Doctor Who cup with water with a splash of lemon juice. Fresh water, I hope. Yes. Okay. And then I have my honest tea that you bought me. Organic honey green tea. Just a tad sweet. And that's what I was just choking on. Too sweet? Not sweet enough. Oh? No, it's fine. What are you drinking? Coors Light. No water? No. Nothing healthy, just Coors Light? I had a water in the kitchen. I've left it there and I can't be bothered going to get it. Oh. So. Oh. Anyway, back to... This stupid storyline. <laughs> so Sean has a word with Kirk. Far be it from me to come between a husband and his wife, says Sean. And then Kirk says, we're not married. <clears throat> I'm confused. I wonder if he's saying that he's not married to Sean. If if that's meant to be stupid funny. Oh, that doesn't. That's quite a stretch. Yeah. Does that work at all? <sighs> Probably. That Kirk thinks that Sean thinks that. He and Kirk are married. Because we've had scenes before where Kirk and Beth... Say that they're married. And then say that they're not married. Yeah. And then say that they're married. Right. And now they're saying that they're not married. Yeah. Does anybody know (laughs) if they're married or not? Next week. Maybe. We might have something for Heinz and Connor. (laughs) Sean thinks he's punished Beth enough and Kirk reveals that he's actually just pretending to be upset with her so that when he leaves on tour... He can surprise her with his brand new song. And this song is called... Uh, a lovely pair of puppies. <laughs> Beth and me, me and Beth, like two coffee cuppies, 
like a nice pair of puppies, sings Kirk. And Beth pretends to So it's to not a song about her boobs? No. Or maybe. <laughs> and then the go-lucky driver says, come on, Sam Smith, get your fucking arse in gear. And off Kirk goes and he leaves the street. And Sean and Craig immediately wind Beth up about Kirk getting his hole off the talent woman and Beth chases after the cab screaming for Kirk to stay, but it's too late. Yeah. Why would they wind her up after that? It's just it's just to be funny, but it's not funny to Beth. No, but it did allow us to see Beth running down the street. Why would Kirky, they be Kirky. Why would they be assholes to their friend? That's not nice. Um Be nice. What do you think of Kirk's song this week? I prefer the knicker the knicker packing song. Knicker packer was better. That's yeah. my favorite of yeah. the songs. Knicker I prefer that glory. to uh, pair of puppies and your souls. Yep. So that's Kirk out of it for six weeks, I guess. I guess so. There are rumors. Ooh. That he may be appearing on a celebrity X Factor. Ooh. Or some such. That'd be cool. That I'd would be cool. I'd like that. Oh, it's too late for Eurovision. <laughs> and Britain always comes last. I think we came last this year again. Did you? Didn't see it. No, no, it wasn't on Logo this year, which made me sad. It's quite funny watching it over here without having... Well, first of all, Terry Wogan doesn't do it anymore on account of him being dead. But uh, it's uh, Graham Norton, I think, that does it in the Yeah, the Graham UK Norton now. did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's funny watching it without Graham Norton providing the soundtrack for it but the guys that were doing it on logo were quite funny because they treated it with the kind of disdain that terry wogan and graham norton do yeah they kind of like they're into it but they're not really into it yeah it was it was um uh it was one of the original queer eye guys the blonde one and somebody else anyway i heard madonna was awful she was wearing an eye patch and was awful yeah, she was wearing an eye patch, and the song that she sang that was new was just dreadful. Mm-hmm. And she did an old song. Was it like a prayer that she did? I don't know. And apparently she screwed that up as well. The worst performance ever, <laughs> by all accounts. Oh, it's too bad. She's kind of disappeared up her own arse anyway. For quite some time. Remember when she had a Cockney accent? Well, yeah, that's when she was married to Guy Ritchie. Yeah. Now she's not married to him anymore, so she doesn't, so she doesn't have accent. to put that accent on. No. Because that's what she was doing. Clearly, right. was putting it yeah. on. She doesn't have But to be accent. fair, if we moved back over there, if we moved back to the UK and I was living in the UK, I'd probably develop an accent too because I'm just that kind of person. You've listened to me speak, right? Yes, but I'm not surrounded by people who speak like you. No, but I'm surrounded by people who speak like you. Yeah, but you're not me. I remember I was at a Girl Scout camp. I was a camp counselor and um, my tent mate was Australian and I started talking like her for no apparent reason and she got very mad. She thought I was making fun of her and I'm like, I'm sorry, I hear you and I start speaking like you. But to be fair, the kids and I do say Scottish words and your coworkers as well. Like shite. And and (laughs) we and cheeky. Our souls. Mm -hmm. Mental. Midden. A midden, yeah. Still, he often says our room's a midden. <laughs> Garage. 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 <sighs> yeah, I, I think when we went back the last time, which is now four Ugh. years ago? 
Isn't that insane? Four years ago since we were last in Scotland. I was thinking Jeez. about how long we've been living here in Michigan. Seven years. How the hell month. did that happen? Seven years next month. What? I know. But anyway. The, but the last time I was back, I remember my friend Dawn. Hiya, Dawn. Hi, Dawn. She said, oh, you sound American. Yeah. So to hurry her, You'd... she had a little twang of American in there. Well, you are less... You've You've softened a wee bit but that's just so that people on the telephone and it and drive-thrus can understand you god drive-thrus are just the worst thing <laughs> in the world when you have an accent <laughs> so but uh, at least you don't speak with an american accent probably because i tell you to stop it every time you try sure don't do that <laughs> that's the only thing i can say <laughs> sorry our lives are just far more entertaining than coronation street this week only slightly but <sighs> but that's all you need. So our next storyline tonight <clears throat> is about Imran and Nick and Leanne and Toya. Ugh. Oh. I had, <laughs> I had slight problems with this one. <laughs> Some of this was stupid. <laughs> Some of it? <laughs> On Monday then. Yeah. Imran and Toya nab Craig on the street and Imran attempts to quiz him about Nick and Craig doesn't know anything about it and couldn't tell him even if he did, he says. Right. And he's dressed up like a policeman this this week. Is he a policeman? I guess so because he's wearing like a policeman's outfit. Had to be tabard on. It, yeah, and it said policeman on it. Didn't he have training and some kind of physical that he had to go through? Yeah, and I think he did it. Did he? Yeah. Remember he wasn't going to because of his OCD and then... Um, and that Kayla thing. Beth, yeah, but Bethany talked him into it, and he did it with her help, like, to get him exercising and stuff. Oh, I don't remember that at all. Oh, that was ages ago. It was ages ago. So Toya catches up with Leanne at Roy's Rolls, and she apologises, and Leanne is apologetic too for the argument that they had last week. Which is nice. Toya treats them both to a sticky bun. Yum. <laughs> so far, so good. I do like a sticky bun. I've heard that rumour. <laughs> Toya is telling <coughs> Leanne about Imran being distant and sad all the time. She worries that they're not strong enough to survive this and Imran is closed off at the best of times, but now he's totally getting on her tits and at this we see that Imran is actually standing behind her, having heard everything. <gasps> oh my gosh. It's so, over. So Toya immediately apologises, but it's too late and Imran starts an argument with Leanne about Nick and his guilt and Toya's quick to either play devil's advocate or take Leanne's side. I know where I stand now, says Imran, and he storms out. Dum, dum, dum. This looks bad for <gasps> them. Oh, no. So Leanne thanks Toya for her backing. It couldn't have been easy taking sides, and Leanne tells her to go apologise and make her peace with Imran. Hmm. So Audrey is at Roy's Rolls telling Roy about the log cabin weekend that they have planned. It's like the Wild West, says Audrey, but Roy can't help himself from correcting her. Log cabins originate from Scandinavia. Another illusion shattered, says Audrey. It still can be like the Wild West. They had log cabins in the Wild West as well, Roy. Wiki wiki Wild Wild West. Yeah. Tim West, Desperado, please, Rough please, Rider. No. Nope. Please stop. <laughs> Leanne sees an upset toy on the street and then Ran has dumped her. She didn't appreciate being forced to choose between him and his, her sister and Leanne pretends to be sorry. So they go to it's the rovers. It's weird though, isn't it? It's weird. We find out, We don't get to see that. We don't get to see that oh, breakup. Yes. The, the that break weird? Up, the breakup is off camera. Yeah. It's almost like it didn't mm, happen. <laughs> pretty strange. So they go to the rovers to drown their sorrows and Toya makes plans to get a hotel, but Leanne insists that she stays with her and Nick. 
Then at home, Leanne reveals that she's invited Toya to stay with her after being dumped by Imran, and Nick isn't thrilled by this at all. Nope. She wants him to share a flat with someone who thinks he sabotaged the roof. And then in comes Toya, apologising for everything. Then later, Toya's back home packing, and Imran comes in, and it seems that Toya is pretending that they split up. It's a hoax. Ha ha ha. Toya is such a great actress. What? This is great, because now she's going to get access to Nick's stuff and get Leanne on side. This is going to give them justice for Rana. What could possibly go wrong? Oh, I don't know. Everything. Yeah, so Imran catches Roy as he's closing up, asking about Carla. Is she okay? Has she been questioned by the police? And Roy says, certainly not. Roy's been a little bit short with people this week again. So later Nick is cooking. He quizzes Toya about her split with Imran. She doesn't want to talk about it and is only glad that Leanne is there for her. And then Nick eyes this suspiciously. Mm -hmm. And later Toya's doing the dishes and casually asks how Nick is feeling following that nasty business with the police. And Nick wastes absolutely no time in telling her that he has her card marked. He knows what she's up to and has only made up with Leanne to try and catch him out. He wonders if she's even really split up with Imran. Well done, Nick. Yeah. On Wednesday then, at Roy's Rolls, Nick and Leanne are chatting about Toy and Imran. She's worried about working for her sister's ex. Nick is feeling nonchalant about the whole thing, and then he spots Gary come in and pops off for a word. He wants Gary to be vague about how he got paid for his work at the barbers, and Gary won't lie, he says. No. So what does that mean, being vague? Not not to be specific about how much it costs to fix up the barber shop and everything, because he doesn't want the police to know a specific amount. That they can say, well, it doesn't mark up with your accounts how much that is, I guess. Okay, that makes sense. At the lawyer's office, Imran and Toya have a nice wee chat where Leanne seems to be a fool for believing that they split up. She says that Imran is stubborn and she doesn't hold out much hope that that she'll come round. And Imran pretends to wonder if there's someone else and then tells Leanne her job is safe. And then I strum the microphone stand. Oh, and then I'll do it again. <laughs> Keep your fingers off that. That's what she said. <laughs> Paul- <laughs> oh, dear. Paula's back looking for Nick. Paula's back, y'all. And From Leanne- her horsey trip with... Um, Sophie, yeah, we'll Sophie. get to that. There's a rubber ring involved. <laughs> Leanne- but not that kind. Leanne says that she'll tell him to give her a call. Nick turns up at the law office and tells Leanne that he's caught with Paula and Nick manages to wriggle out of further questioning on the matter but eventually confesses that the police want to investigate his bank accounts and he's instructed Paula to stop them. That's why he's being so shady. And she rightfully says, why? If you're innocent, what does it matter? What do you have to hide, she says. Right. What does he have to hide? He says, I don't have anything to hide. I just don't want them... I don't want to give them an excuse to tie me into this somehow and it's like that doesn't make any sense because it doesn't make any sense (laughs) and Roy's role Sarah's talking with Leanne about the upcoming holiday from hell with the family but Leanne's mind is on other matters and despite Nick telling her not to tell anyone else's business she confides in Sarah about Nick's involvement in the police with his accounts both of them think he has something to hide Sarah tells Leanne about the 30,000 pound transaction that went through the accounts before going to Elsa and Leanne is still of the opinion that Nick benefited from the divorce Leanne is desperate to find out what the hell Nick is playing at 
So that was good for Sarah to remember that little little mm-hmm. factoid. And share it with Leanne. Yep. At the first point of asking. Mm-hmm. Handy. Yeah. So later, still at Roy's Rolls, Leanne tells Sarah that she's spoken with Elsa, who claims that she didn't give Nick any money and she didn't what? sound like she was lying. What? So where did the money come from? Why would you lie? Sarah says it was the same with Gary and tells Leanne about the loan shark, Rick the Chin. Leanne doesn't think that <laughs> Leanne doesn't think that that's Nick's style, but then she remembers Nick and Gary talking in here earlier on, acting all shifty. What could that possibly have been about? Mm. Then Sarah turns up at the cabin wanting to know from Brian if Alex is still getting hassle from Rick the Chin. Not since he was paid off, says Brian. Sarah wants to know where his offices are, but Rita warns her off. That one's trouble, she says. You stay well clear. That's right. And Rita should know. Yep. Leanne and Sarah are chatting about Nick's money issues when Toya comes in, and Sarah thinks Toya should know for some reason. Why? I don't know why. Because hmm. Leanne doesn't want to tell her, but Sarah's like, oh, sure, let's tell Toya. No, what? asks Toya. So they fill her in on their suspicions of Nick using a loan shark and Elsa not giving him any money. Toya wonders if he did something off the books at the factory, but Sarah says no because she was sitting next to him and she would have spotted it. Sarah insists it was a loan shark. What have you done, Nick? says Leanne. Uh-oh. Then Leanne, Toya and Sarah decide to find out the truth before this fucking holiday happens. Sarah is going to track down Rick. This bodes well, doesn't it? <sighs> do we have to see Rick again? Yes, we do, because on Friday, Toya has a secret meeting with Imran she fills him in on Nick's mysterious money and the loan shark thing. Imran doesn't think Rick is a man to mess with and maybe Nick needed the insurance money to pay pay him off. Toya wants to wait until they have evidence before going to the police. Leanne and Sarah are continuing to be in cahoots. Seemingly Leanne is going to look for clues in Rick's office and Sarah has bottled it. She can't do this to her brother even though this was her idea and right. she's out. So yeah. it's just Leanne and Toya that have to do it. Have to deal with it. Well, yeah, and originally Toya wasn't gonna. Toya wasn't gonna go, but now she is with Leanne, and that's a shame. And then Imran, despite saying that they're not going to go to the police, goes to the police, which is weird. And the police don't think he has any evidence, but Imran wants him to look into it anyway. He points him in Carla's direction before leaving, and he's a bit unsatisfied about all this. But DS Beckett is intrigued by the mention of of uh, Rick. Rick. Who is already on the radar. Yes, but Imran doesn't know this because she says it to the other guy, the other detective, after Imran leaves. Correct. Yeah. And of course he's on their radar. Somebody like that would, of course, be on the police's radar, wouldn't he? Nobody with a chin like that is going to go unnoticed. <laughs> no. Nobody. So Roy's Rolls, Toya and Leanna discussing tactics. Basically, Rick the Chin is a dangerous man, and if he suspects that they're going to be up to something, then they're dead. Because Rick is dangerous. How dangerous? He kills plants. Very dangerous. <laughs> so very dangerous. He names plants. He beat up Gary, I guess. Yeah, and he threatened to kill Rita. He dangerous. Guess so. Did he have a beard before? It's Sharon you need to watch out for. Yeah. He's got a beard now. Did he have a beard before? I can't be bothered to remember that. <laughs> I didn't think he had a beard. Maybe he did. Maybe he heard us talking about his chin. Yeah. At Rick's office, Toya turns up pretending to be looking for a loan. She claims to be recommended to him by Nick, but Rick claims not to have heard of Nick, and neither has Sharon. 
Rick is very protective of the ledger that's on his desk, and he tells Toya to GTF. Right. Then outside in Toya's car, because Toya has a car now, she tells Leanne that she needs to see in Rick's ledger. So the plan that they come up with... Is it to Toya's g- car or Leanne's car? Well, Toya's driving. Hmm. Actually, I think, she ha- I think we knew she has a car because she needs a car for her job. Because doesn't she go to people's homes as a therapist? No, I think she just goes to the clinic. I thought she did home visits as well. I don't think we've seen that. Maybe. Yeah, I don't think we've ever seen her go on no. on a home visit. But I think that that is part of her job. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Okay. So the plan that they come up with to get uh, Rick and Sharon out of the way is essentially doing the same as what Toya did, except Leanne's going to do it over the phone. And she does that and she gives a bogus address and she says that she needs a £2,000 loan today for a wedding dress and takes them the address. And this seems to work. This gets Rick and Sharon out of there. Right, which is weird. So then Leanne and And, and Leanne has a weird accent when she does it too. Yeah, she puts on a bit of a voice for some reason, despite the fact that Rick has never heard her speak. Yeah, but what kind of... is, Is it meant to be like... Kind of a lower class voice. Yeah, I thought so. That's that's kind of classist. Yeah, a little bit elitist. Prob- problematic, yeah. We bit. So then lawyer lawyer? Lawyer. Leanne Toya. and Toya <laughs> break into Rick's. Because they can break into places now. Right. And especially places <sighs> inhabited by dangerous people that they don't necessarily know whether or not they're still there. Or when they're coming back. Right. Because they're criminals. Oh, no, they're not. But they are. But they are now. And they look for his stupid ledger. And they both start turning the place over, not thinking that maybe he took the ledger with him. It's possible. They try to break into the filing cabinet when it sounds like Rick the Chin is coming back. But no, it's Sharon. She comes in while they hide and she unlocks the cabinet and then notices something's up. What did she notice? She saw something on the desk. Something had been moved or something. And then Sarah, who had bottled it and wasn't, wanting anything to do with it. Right. She's found out where Rick's office is and she well, she knew in where Rick's office was. And knocks Sharon out with the petty cash tin. With the cabinet unlocked, Toya nabs a ledger and the three of them run out as Sharon comes round. And Sarah grabs a bag yep. that's full of passports conveniently. Later in, the, later in the car, Sarah has grabbed a bunch of passports and she has Gary's but Nick's isn't there. And they think, well, maybe it's in another... Because this is not the only loan shark in Manchester. Maybe it's in another office somewhere. This doesn't really prove anything. No. This was kind of a waste of time. Right. But at least they get Gary's passport back. Yeah, so Gary can go on holiday now. Super. But he can't because he's not dating Sarah anymore. And he has no money. Back home, they think they're in the clear. What was the point of that, says Toya. And Leanne becomes suspicious that Toya's trying to get some dirt on Nick and then puts two and two together. And Toya insists that she's only thinking about Leanne, but Leanne doesn't want to hear it. She knows what she's up to and she storms out. And then Toya and Sarah look at each other awkwardly. They then run and Toya at speed dial now that there's no point in them pretending that they're separated. And then run thinks that keeping out of Leanne's way is maybe for the best now. Meanwhile, Leanne is pacing the floor at home. Nick comes back and she wants him to be honest. She calls him out on his lies about Elsa. She's spoken to her. She knows that that money didn't come from Elsa. So where did it come from then? It's like she's lying. No, but- she's not lying. Meanwhile, Sharon is nursing a sore head as Rick quizzes her about the incident. She remembers one of them is called Sarah, which gets Rick scratching his enormous chin. Hmm. Sarah. Where I've heard that name before. Hmm. 
But Nick claims that Elsa's lying because that she hates him. He well, says, that might be true, but that doesn't... He says he's done nothing wrong, but Leanne isn't buying it. She knows yep. he's lying. Yep. He's capable of anything, uh-huh. even murder. <gasps> she doesn't believe a word he says, and she doesn't want to be with him anymore. She doesn't think she wants to be with him anymore. Yeah, she doesn't think. Right. She's going to wait until after the holiday. And that's how we finish this storyline for this week. Yeah. Do you think Leanne's going to go on holiday now? Yeah. Yeah. She wants a holiday. Right. <laughs> Who doesn't? Holly bobs. Holly bobs for the plats next week, and it's all going to go horribly wrong. Yes. At least they're in a cabin and not a um, trailer. Oh, it's better than Chesney and, and yeah. Gemma, yeah. Yeah. Nobody's been making meth in the <laughs> in the cabin. No. Your problems with this storyline? Where shall I begin? I just didn't think that. The whole breaking into Rick's was stupid. And out of character. And how did they even find it? Did did we find that out? How they found it where Rick's Somebody must were? have told them. Brian must have told them. Because they seemed to find it and then Sarah seemed to find it with relative ease. I think Sarah already knew where it was. How would she know that? Gary. And just, just the fact that they, like, they knew how you break then, into an office. Right. And then weird. Sarah comes in from the back of that office. She doesn't come in through the front of the office. She comes in the back door to surprise Sharon and hit her over the head with the petty cash box. That seemed weird. And for Sarah to know that that bag contained the passports was kind of weird because she went right to it and she grabbed it, you know, immediately. And then they go out. Right. And I'm just, Imran going to the police, the police's response, Nick saying yet again the same stuff he says every time somebody confronts him about this. They're lying. Yeah. She's lying. She hates me. Of course she's lying about this. You know, the whole bitches be crazy thing is just getting mm. on my nerves. And this is not this is not the only bitches be crazy storyline we have this week. Oh, no goodness, no, no. So, <laughs> and after that Game of Thrones um, finale, I'm, I'm kind of over the whole bitches be crazy storylines. Yeah, we haven't spoken about that. And, no, no and should we, we will not. <laughs> I don't know. I just think that if... You're going to have this kind of subplot of Rick the Loan Shark. Then it, it needs to add up to something, and it just seemed a largely pointless venture that yeah, seemed to prove that Rick is going to come after Sarah and Gary, right? Or at least Gary, because Sarah's going to be on vacation. Okay, so we're kind of crossing over storylines, right? There. Oh, and also the whole Imran and Toya trying to trick people into thinking that they've broken up. That was kooky too. And Leanne falling for it straight away and saying, move in with us. Right. Yeah, that seemed a bit rushed. Yeah, especially since she went all Lady Macbeth on her sister the previous week. Mm-hmm. When she said, no, I choose Nick over over my family. Yeah. Yes. I don't know, just kind of cat candy, I thought. Uh, yeah. Okay, okay then. We will see where that goes next week when they go on their stupid holiday. <laughs> 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 I'm quite looking forward to the holiday, actually. Yeah. The, the bits of this that had Audrey Wait. and Gail in it were actually some of my favourite parts of that storyline. Yeah, we didn't go on a holiday this year. Well, it's just May. Yeah. And well, Bunny has been going in other break. directions. Yes, 
in my belly. <laughs> Our next storyline tonight is streetcars be fucked. <laughs> or is it? Well, let's find out. This this storyline didn't bother me as much as other storylines this week. I I'm going to go out on a limb here. Uh-huh. I enjoyed the storyline enormously. <laughs> <laughs> it was a breath of fresh air in a rather shitty week. <laughs> there are moments about this that I don't think stand up to a huge amount of scrutiny. Oh, but it's fine. But because it's Steve pulls a lot of Muppet faces. He does. And that just brings me joy. And he argues with Tim. And that made me quite sad, actually, because the, the two of them are quite... Right, yeah. Remember when they, BBFs. When they taped their arms BFFs. to their sides and pretended to be velociraptors? Yes, and wasn't there... They hit each other in the head with something as well. That happened. Right, yeah. So, on Monday, Tracy's home looking for her phone and she sees that Steve is still there. He's taken a sickie, frightened that the police are going to show up. And Tracy doesn't think that they're going to do that. And anyway, they don't have any evidence anyway. And now Liz That's shows up... That's what she thinks. And now Liz shows up wanting to talk about the flat... But she's easily fobbed off. Nobody wants to talk to Liz about where she's going to live in the future. Oh, She'll move in with Eileen. So then the police come into the cab office and need to speak to uh, Steve about an armed... No, they're looking to speak to Tim. No, they're about... looking for to speak to Steve, but Tim is the only one there. Well, they don't know who they're looking for. They just know that a streetcar oh, yes. cab uh, was involved in an armed robbery. Mm-hmm. This is news to Tim. And then Steve comes in and when he sees the cops, he almost does a little shifty 180 degrees and walks back out again tim confirms that this is one of their cabs Mm -hmm. and then the police give him some more information steve admits that it was his cab and he explains his story tim calls him a muppet and the police explain how dodgy this looks and steve insists his innocence but the police don't seem to buy it and they back and forth until steve admits that he picked up the robber from the street and this is illegal correct so it's illegal it's it's illegal. This, this it's against a, the this law. This was the thing that you were going to check out for Hindsight Corner. Oh, was it? Yeah. Yeah, this is not a local authority thing. This is the police saying that this is illegal. You can't pick people up on the street in a taxi cab. In Weathersfield. I guess this is a, this is a law. This is not a local authority thing. This is a law. You can you can hail a cab in London, though, surely. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've hailed cabs in <gasps> Glasgow. Yeah. Do you know what it is? What? There are two different types of cab. Oh. There's a private cab company, which is what streetcars is. Right. And then there's the local authority regulated taxi firms. Oh. Which okay. is what the black cabs are in oh, right. Glasgow and Right, London. yeah. You can and you can, can hail, hail a black cab. Right. Yeah. I think that's what it is, but you can't hail a private hire uh, cab. That's what it is. Makes sense. Wow, that just came out of nowhere. Wow. Good job, you. Yeah, I, I did hindsight corner on the fly. <laughs> From for, your brain. Good for me, yes. So, this is all very convenient, say the police. Steve says that he was in the wrong place at the wrong time and he was threatened with a knife or a cake knife <laughs> to keep his mouth shut. The copper says that he'll be looking into this further and Tim gives Steve a hard time for being such an asshole. And a muppet. Tim says that he could lose his license thanks to this. And Steve was just trying to help the business and points out that Tim's currently serving a ban for drink driving, so he can't really talk to anyone about anything. Yeah. In comes Tracy, who finds out that Steve has confessed to the police and she can't believe it. He's put his family in danger. Tim has quickly changed his tune as he delivers some more bad news. 
Now Omar has gone to work for Go Lucky. He's missing Brenda. Aww. Aww. I thought it was quite sweet. So sweet. And behind Tim's head is a no farting sign. <laughs> I still, well, that's the random fact of the week then. The, the no farting sign? Yeah. Because I haven't thought of another one. Oh. There'll be another random fact. What are we calling this? Next week. What are we calling this episode? This is called Another Illusion Shattered. On Wednesday, Steve seems to be a bit depressed. He thinks his business is done, streetcars is in the dark ages, and Tracy tries to comfort him and empathise, but this isn't the Steve McDonald she loves and tolerates. That was quite funny. It tolerates, yeah. yeah. That, that, that was funny. He can't give up. So Steve turns up for work with some biscuits to lure in new drivers. Tim thinks it's going to take more than that. He's taken to dissing Go Lucky to customers on the phone, and he thinks that they should change the name to Cheap Cabs or, or Fab Cabs. Fab cabs. Steve thinks that they built their reputation on that name and he isn't for a change. And quite rightly so, I think. Yes. He's brought these these biscuits in in a rather long canvas bag that oh, he won't he? let that he won't let Tim look into. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Is Steve bringing firearms to work again? <laughs> Not firearms. Oh yes, that's his his baseball bat. Yes. All right, I didn't spot that. Yeah. Steve's getting back on the road in his cab and after a brief conversation with Craig where the subject of victim support is raised and then immediately dismissed, we discover that Steve has taken to carrying a baseball bat with him Yes. in the car. Yes, that was what was in the oblong bag along with the biscuits. A very used-looking baseball bat. Yeah, a really shabby-looking yep. baseball bat. He must have played a lot of baseball at one point. Seemingly so. Slugger Steve... Hmm. Baseball bats. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah, no, don't do that. Out on the road, Steve has a new job from Tim. as a pickup from a bowling alley. Steve is hesitant to accept, but finally agrees when Tim says he has to nip off to do a job for Sally. No. Steve arrives to pick up a group of drunk and reasonably rowdy young men. After some low-grade banter, he takes them to the kebab shop. Yes. And one of those young men is very loud. It's, it's the chubby white dude. Yep. He's very loud. He's threatening somebody on the telephone. You know. Yeah, somebody for looking at his girlfriend. Looking at his girlfriend, cro- cockeyed and blah, 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 blah. So even before this guy gets in the car, we know he's bad news. Yep. Steve arrives at the kebab shop and the lads don't have any money to pay him. And they go to do a runner. So Steve grabs his bat and goes to give chase. He chooses to chase after the fit black kid rather than the fat white one who runs into the street <laughs> and is hit by a car. And this is all witnessed by Brian who reckons Steve could have killed him. The kid is fine and Steve takes him into the cab office to recover and Brian is quick to assure the driver of the car that it wasn't his fault and then he gets on the phone to report the accident. Yeah, That has nothing to do with him. But out, Brian. Civic duty. But out, Brian. No, I thought Brian was in the right here. No. <laughs> yes, he was. No, he no. reported an accident. It's yeah, but it's up to the guy, the people who are in the accident, to report the accident. Who didn't do it? Right. So, butt out, Brian. Yeah. Steve, what noise was that? No. Steve offers to take the kid to hospital and explains about being threatened with a knife. If the, and okay. the kid doesn't want to go to the hospital, and we find out why once they get into the cab office where he does agree to go and to sit and catch his bearings. Yeah, and Steve explains about being kind of on edge about 
Yeah, he's very apologetic. Because he was threatened with a knife earlier. And Steve thinks he recognises the guy and that he should go and get checked out of the hospital. The kid doesn't want to report it. He just wants to forget it even happened. Sensing that something's not right here, Steve tries to connect with the guy, talking about his own experiences growing up and running away from home. He's not the first kid to get drunk. And then that's when Steve knows where he's seen him from. He's in the Weather County youth team. Yes. And he says that he'll be kicked off the team if this gets out. <laughs> and we find out that his name is James. Then in comes Brian with a copper from yesterday and Steve's bat. Oh, pig's tits, says James and Steve together. Yes. And then um, James says that he and Steve are mates and that Steve was just showing him his new baseball bat because they play baseball together. Yes, yeah, Steve is and his that, baseball coach. Right. And the baseball bat is, is not new and everybody knows it. I have a feeling this is not the last time we're going to see young James. Correct. The police aren't buying this, but they want uh, them both to make a statement. And then the copper says that he's going to recommend that Steve loses his cab license, which I'm not sure is within the police's purview. Again, this is a council-issued thing, isn't it? Right, Couldn't yeah. fuck all to do with the police. Well, the police can make recommendations to the council, apparently. And Steve seems to take them as a word that he's going to lose his license right. about this. So at home, Tracy uh, recaps Steve's day. He started carrying a weapon in his cab, he almost destroyed a young footballer's career and he's lied to the police. Busy day. What the fuck are you up to, Steve? Seriously. And Steve says that he's suffering from PTSD and was terrified. Tracy admits that this was her fault and then everyone faints. Right. <laughs> she never admits this. No, <laughs> no, this is... Then Steve tells her about the licence, which, uh, which would mean he's probably going to lose his operator's licence as well. He doesn't see how they can get through this and he's very, very... Depressed. Depressed about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Understandably. And now Tim has found out that Steve is about to lose his operator's licence because he was on the phone to the council for some reason. And he isn't happy about this at all. That's another driver gone. This is all over now, isn't it? And Steve doesn't know what to say. And Tim and Steve continue their yelling match. Tim will be glad to see the back of Steve. And Steve calls Tim a silly bald man. Yes. <laughs> that was quite amusing. I love that. <laughs> silly bald man. You're a silly bald man. On Friday then, Tim is about to have a jam sandwich for his breakfast until Sally puts a kibosh on it. Which, it's jam. What's wrong with a jam There's sandwich? There's nothing wrong with a jam sandwich. What is wrong with her? She's going a little overboard here. <laughs> Tim thinks they're in too deep to save the business and she wonders if he wants to throw away his relationship with Steve as well. Tim and Steve's hostilities are continuing at the cab office. Tim thinks that the business is on its knees and all Steve can do is make cheap quips. And then Tracy turns up at streetcars. Steve wants to shop, shop and call it dead. Then in comes Eileen wanting to know what's been going on and Steve blames Go Lucky and some other <clears throat> business. He tells Eileen she'd be, she'd be better not bothering to take off her coat. Eileen's a little bit concerned about this. As, as she rightly should be. Then Tracy, Liz and Eileen are conspiring in the rovers about how much of a useless shite Steve is. I love this. It's about time that they took charge of the situation. For the first time in history, it's going to be raining men, they say. Or something. Or did that not happen? It didn't happen. Okay. They're, they're going to take charge and they're, you know, Steve is a Muppet, as we all know. Yep. And they they need to put their heads together and they need to fix this. And Back this is nice, Tracy and Liz working together. And Eileen, yeah. Back at the cab office, Tim has bought a... Has, <laughs> Back at the cab office, Tim has brought a pie to Steve. It's Tim's apology pie. Aww. And Steve apologises too. And they make up. And then Tim shoves a pie in Steve's face. Yes. In come the women. They have a plan. 
Steve and Tim are neither use nor ornament. That was brilliant. And correct. <laughs> so you do nothing and you look like shit, basically. Accurate. They're launching a coup d'etat. Yes. They're going to be running streetcars with Liz and Tracy as drivers. Did I hear that right? Yes. Eileen's going to man the switch and Liz and Tracy are going to drive. Even though Tracy has her own business and Liz has a job at the hospital. Yep. But that's fine. Tim wonders what his role in this is going to be and Eileen tells him that he still has his job on the switch. Liz says that this is the only way to save the place. So back at the Rovers, the women are a bit subdued about taking over streetcars. They still need an app to rival Go Lucky, but they don't have 20 grand. Tracy, right. though, she has an idea. Yes, she does. And she's called in Jay and says that we want your app, we think it's really great, but we're only going to pay you five grand. And Jay's like, well, you can GTF for that. Then Liz and Eileen pretend that Tracy is called Mad Dog. Hmm. And they let Jay voggle her to see that she's a convicted murderer. Correct. Now he's absolutely fucking bricking it. Yeah. And she starts acting scary. Tracy laughs maniacally. Yes. Maniacal laugh. Maniacal Whoa. laugh. Ha, 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 ha. So Jay nervously agrees to their terms and later they fill Steve and Tim in on this. Jay will get his trainee to work on the app and Tracy calling it an offer that they, he couldn't refuse because an app is going to save this business. It, it couldn't hurt. I, I very much enjoyed that scene in the Rovers with Jay and the three women. Yes. That was, that was, it was, that was very, very good. funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that I liked. I love how they play on Tracy's, Tracy's craziness. <laughs> Tracy's mental background. Right. Of murdering Charlie. Right. Yeah. And it, it's good it, that murder comes in handy every once in a while. It cropped up with Irish Tina's storyline. Yeah, few I remember that. Well. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad that they're getting Their some mileage worth. out of this. Yeah. It worked particularly well in this case because we knew mm -hmm. from last week that Jay was already kind of intimidated by her, yeah. Tracy. Yeah, so to have have her realise that holy shit, she killed somebody. And at least this week he's not spouting memes. <laughs> yeah, he was much better this week. Yes, I'm enjoying this. I I guess that that's street streetcar saved then. I don't know. Who are we going to are we going to see more about this? I just. just I'm not sure about Tracy and Liz driving, though. That's the only yeah, thing. Yeah, and I mean, how many people do they need to man the switch? Because Abby is supposed to be manning the switch as well. She doesn't get let anyone near the switch, does she? No, but remember when she got rehired, Tim said that you could man the switch. Oh, yeah, yeah. But Tim mans the switch, and Eileen's going to be manning the switch, and now Abby's going to... They're going to have three people on the switch? Or three shifts. Oh, I guess. 24 hours. Hmm. Do they have 24-hour drivers? No. As far as I know, they have two drivers. Well, don't they have two dudes we never see as oh, well? Oh, Peter. There's Peter. Peter's taking care of Carla. Hey, but he was mentioned today about... Oh, was he? This week. Couldn't Peter do that? Says Steve. And and they say no, because he's taking care of Carla. Also, he's an alcoholic. I quite enjoyed that. Yes, yes. It was, it was good. It was funny. And I love Steve's Muppet face. Is... Was it Steve's fault that that guy got knocked down? Yes. Was it not? Was it not their fault for not paying him? I don't think that was the kid who was supposed to pay in the first place. It was a fat kid. Yeah. Right. It was a bully, and he says about the other two guys that they're not really his friends. Right. And they shouldn't have been hanging out with him. Right. In the first place, so 
Yes. Keep an eye out for young James in the future. I think he'll be back. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, he and Steve seem to strike up a bit of a friendship. Yes. Which, which I like. Which is nice. Yes. I like that, that too. Because he's a Weather County player and Steve loves his Weather County and so does right. Tim. So. Right, yeah. He asks him if, if he's if he recognised Tim and describes <laughs> Tim and that he's a... Standing behind the goal. Season ticket holder and all this other big stuff. Big bald head. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. Next up we have Roy. Ugh. Yeah. Stop messing with Roy's character, people. Stop making him do things that Roy would never do. Mm. I think they go some way to try and address that this week, but I don't know and if but it then they, lands. They, but then they turn right around and make him do it again. Mm. So WTF? On Monday, Brian and Roy are chatting about Roy's mum's ring. It seems that Roy still hasn't solved the mystery, and Brian tells him never to surrender. But Roy has some more pressing problems. Yeah. He doesn't He doesn't care about the ring anymore. No. But he came back from Portsmouth saying that it was a successful trip, didn't he? I thought he did that a couple of weeks ago. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Last week, you mean. Last week it was, was when it, Roy came back. Was it last week? Yeah. Oh, it seems so far away. So far away. Brian's back at Roy's Rolls having done more research. He has a new lead and in comes Wayne. It's thanks to Wayne that he's got this new lead. This is at Brian's invite. It's good to see you again, Roy, says Wayne. But Roy, noticeably, doesn't respond. Mm-hmm. So Wayne worries that he's upset Roy and Roy doesn't answer but explains that he's staying with Ken until Carla is better. Then later, Roy's closing up and Wayne comes in asking if the Portsmouth trip was so bad and Roy, rather rudely, can't believe he's still getting quizzed over that bloody ring. Roy tells him to keep his distance. Thank you very much. Yeah, and he doesn't want him in there anymore. Blah, 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 blah. On Wednesday then, at Roy's Rolls, Jenny is next in line to quiz Roy about his mum's ring. He says he didn't find anything that excused his five-week absence. He should have been here for Carla, he says. Right, so it's not it's not necessarily that it wasn't a success. It's just that it wasn't as important and he feels guilty about the whole Carla thing. Correct. Which he shouldn't. No. Then Roy's out in the street looking for Wayne when he bumps into Brian. Roy needs to apologise for his rudeness the other day and he also apologises to Brian for his rudeness, which was quite nice. Mm -hmm. So Roy finally catches up with Wayne and he apologises for his disgraceful behaviour. It wasn't quite disgraceful behaviour. Well, it was disgraceful for Roy because it was completely out of character for Roy to be so rude to someone who was his foster child, who Roy was a very important part of his life. And someone that he took such joy at sharing right. time with him just a few weeks ago. Right, yes. So, no biggie, says Wayne. Carla requires a lot of care and attention, says Roy, but she's making progress. And Wayne asks how long it's going to be before she's back on her feet. And this seems to irk Roy somewhat. Yes. He points Wayne in the direction of her consultant, who is the only person qualified to answer that question, and then leaves Wayne to it. Right. And, you know... So he's just apologized for being out of character. And rude. And rude. And then he immediately goes back to being out of character. And rude. And rude. And overly (laughs) emotional, which is not something Roy is supposed to be. No. And Wayne Wayne hits it on the head because at the beginning, you know, Wayne says to Roy, you're the most moral man I've ever met. And you were an important part of changing my life around. And... So I'm very confused by the way that you're talking to me right now. And it hurts my feelings. Well, it's not the way that he's talking to him that Wayne has a problem with. It's the fact that Roy is standing up for 
that woman, says Wayne. And Roy says, is that all you've got? And Wayne says, well, fucking sayonara then, half chow. I'm out of here. Have mm-hmm. a nice life. Right. And that's quite a sad way to end that relationship. Yeah. It is a bummer. Although, to be fair, Wayne's job here was to write his report. Right. Remember the report? Yes. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. Which he did. Yes. So now his interest in this is... I guess faded. Is there any interest in this? Can you not just put it behind him and just well, no, stop because quizzing Roy about this because he because the investigation is still not over. I mean, that's where Wayne was. He was in the factory, and Roy was waiting for him outside the factory because he had his hard hat on and he came through that fence. Well, I thought his I thought his uh, his interest was over because he's written his report. It's right, done. but the investigation is ongoing. Huh. Just because he's finished the report doesn't mean done that, done. that the investigation is over, obviously, because the police are still involved. So I suppose Wayne is still involved somewhat. So that's as far as we get with that story this week. Mm-hmm. It's, again, always good to have Roy back. but I, I wish he would go away again and come back as the real Roy. I think it's Aria with Roy's face. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> if only if only there was a crossover <laughs> I think I'd like that yeah, there's been quite a few Game of Thrones people that have also been in Coronation Street though you were telling me the other day Roy Cropper played by Maisie Williams <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's been a few backwards and forwards yeah. that we heard from the Conversation Street podcast oh okay it's probably true of of most shows most British shows, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of crossover. Yeah, and I think Game of the Thrones relies quite a lot on British acting talent. Correct. Because of where it's... Well, not because of where it's set, but... Well, it's essentially the War of the Roses. So it's... Right. Kind of north of England. So that's why you've got Sean Bean in the in the start. And right. And all the Starks and stuff. Yeah. So there's a... There's yeah, a... Peter Dinklage is the only American in it. Or was the only American in it. What about uh, Jamie? Was he not... He was... He's... Danish. Is he really? I believe so. Wow. Yeah. I just assumed he was American. His name is like... Nicholas Waller? Nicholas... Joanna Robinson would know this straight away. Mm, yeah. Nicolaj Coster waldu Yeah. Yeah. Nicolaj. N-I-K-O-L-A-J. Oh, that's all kinds of Scandinavian then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> On to our next story then. Have we talked about that one, that last one enough? I think so. Okay. I think I think I've expressed my displeasure at the fake Roy enough. Our next story: Hooves! Exclamation point. Doctor Hooves. <laughs> Harry Hill, a British comedian, had a um, had a show, a stand-up show that he called Hooves, that just made me laugh. And on the back of it, there was a picture of Camilla. Camilla Parker Bowles. Yes, who looks like a horse. And <laughs> the, the headline above it was, she must never be queen. <laughs> that just cracks me up. I'm sorry. <sighs> On Wednesday. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Chop juice. Paula and... <laughs> I, 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 Harry I Hill, have a Dr. Hooves um, figure. Harry Hill was the guy that did the 
TV burp thing that I showed you where it looked like Steve was playing the Coronation Street theme tune. With with his mouth? Yeah. That was was Harry Hill. Paula and Sophie are showing off their fancy photos from their fancy holly bobs. It seems that Paula, Paula and their posh mates have been spoiling them. Sally thinks it all looks magisterial and fancies a ride on her horse herself. And they're quite... They're quite rude to poor Sally, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Bit classist. For getting ideas above her station. Right. She's just, yeah. Yeah, yeah which is weird because he, she and Paula were schoolmates, so yeah, and Sally they came was from mayor. the same place. Sally was mayor. Right. She was reasonably successful in her own right, right? Yeah, but then, then she... <laughs> the, the, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we won't talk about that. No. Oh, poor Duncan. Not ha- poor Duncan. We hashtag. Don't, we don't sympathize with Duncan. Hashtag pray for Duncan. No, please don't. Then Sally, Paula and Sophie have moved on to Roy's roles to let Sally continue reminiscing about her youth and horses. She loved Black Beauty and then she thinks she might take this back up again, she says on mm-hmm. Wednesday. Yeah, because she used to ride at the city farm. And again, there was a bit of a turn the nose up at oh, city ho, ho, farm. City farm. Oh, ho, ho. Is that like a municipal I assume so. Thing. I don't know. I don't know. I grew up with horses in my backyard, so... And I hate horses, <laughs> so I have no you idea. You don't hate horses. I'm terrified of You okay. fear horses. <laughs> yes. Even though your niece made you smell one. This was one of the... <laughs> was this... This was the this second time... This the first time you ever met Kaylin. This was the like, second time I came over to Connecticut. Yeah. And smell we the horse, Mr. Gast. Went to your mum's house, and your niece took me out to feed the horses which i definitely didn't want to do but everyone said oh go and do it so i went out yes. to feed the horses and caitlin said smell the horses mr gav so i smelt the horse <laughs> and i came back in the house and we were sitting there it was just you <laughs> me and your mum sitting watching tv just reminiscing about what my first day in connecticut was like <laughs> and i said i wonder what animal i'll smell tomorrow <laughs> i'd smell a horse yes my family is constantly giving you a row for being afraid of horses. I'm not afraid of horses. I'm terrified of horses. I just, they freak me out. They're too big. And they keep on trying to kill me. So, Sally turns <laughs> up at the Rovers on her horsey... I've never seen a horse try to kill Gavin. Oh, yes, you have. <laughs> when we went into the paddock, when your mum was showing off her little stable that she bought, <laughs> that big one tried to kill me. No, she didn't. Yes, she did. Eulogy did not try to kill yes, you. Yes, she did. No, she didn't. She backed into me. She knocked me. She tried to knock me over with a rump. She wanted you to scratch her rump. No, she didn't. She, she wanted to, She wanted me dead. She did not. So Sally turns up at the Rovers in her horsey set wear. She gets Yasmin and Jenny to join her strange new horsey club. Yeah, They're she's all wearing going to jodhpurs. go horse riding. And then Paula reveals... That Sophie's been sitting on a rubber ring since they got back from their holidays. Right, yes, because Sophie doesn't know how to post. Hmm. Yeah, that's why. <sighs> Sally, Yasmin... How many <laughs> times do I have to tell you that's not a thing? <laughs> Sally, Yasmin and Jenny are back from their horse riding and Yasmin can't sit down and Jenny isn't used to all that bouncing up and down. Because she doesn't know how to post either. Sally became one with the animal, she says. And Tim is worried that his dad doesn't know that Yasmin was horse riding. It's none of his fucking business, Tim. No. What century do you think we're living in, Tim? Ah, oh, 
Even when he's not there. He's a tit. Then Sally ropes Paula into future riding fun. On Friday then, Tim is eating cereal from the box when he's caught by Sally. <laughs> is it kind of it's it's like, like Cocoa Puffs or something? Yes, it's like Choco Balls. So, <laughs> Tim's Choco Balls. <laughs> they melt in the mouth. Sweaty balls. <laughs> oh dear God. Sally thinks that horse riding would help Tim calm down because he was breathing quite laboredly and looking like he was going to have another heart attack. Right, because she scared him. She announces that they should definitely buy a horse. <laughs> and it's not... This is funny. It's noticeable. It's a negotiable price, apparently, and the stable fees are paid up front, but I can't remember what it was called. It was like something like Hercules or something. Heracles. Heracles. Sally has gone from being interested in riding a horse on Wednesday to buying a horse on Friday. And trying to get Tim on the horse. Yep. At the Rovers, Sally, Yasmin and Jenny are sad that they can't buy the horse because of their men. Sinead overhears this oh. and is surprised that they're letting men tell them what they can and can't do. Sinead is currently going out with Daniel. She's not going out with Daniel. She's married to she's Daniel. She's not married to Daniel. <laughs> she's not married to Daniel. She's they're not married. Married. She's not even she's not even in inverted commas married. She's yes, not she married. Is. She's not married to him. They're not married. <sighs> Apparently they are. Daniel suggests that they do a syndicate. And Sinead, she jumps in. She's all for this. And Daniel's and, like, I didn't mean you. And then they're all in. Right. Lo- lovely stuff. Right, yeah. Even though Yasmin says, oh, I don't know if I should discuss this with Tim's dad first. And and she's... And she, she's just like, she, girlfriend, what? Yeah, seriously. It's your money. You're not even married to the it's guy. It's your money. Right. And Tim's you dad earned. is a tit. Right. Then later in the pub, after one phone call... Sally has bought the horse. Well, there's a gentleman's agreement. It turns out that this thoroughbred horse was bought for a grand, sight unseen. And Sophie Which reckons... Which is weird, because you'd think that... It, it, how did she find out that this horse was for sale? Some guy. Yeah, at the stables. So Some you, guy. You would have thought that she would have seen the horse at the stables. She didn't need to see it. But it, if she was at the stables when she found out that this horse was for sale, why wouldn't she go over and look at it? Yeah. None of this makes any sense. Why wouldn't she? Sophie reckons that Sally has been ripped off, but Sally insists that the guy will be over tomorrow and they can exchange paperwork. Right. And nobody's nobody's putting money on this horse yet. No. Right. Well, that's two fifty each. Yeah. Yeah, it's not too bad. Just to buy it, then there's upkeep, I guess. Right, but his uh stable fees have been paid for the next six months. Does that include food? <sighs> Maybe. Probably it's, not. It, it sometimes room and board. That's that's too, and sometimes that's separate. I don't know. And Our, horses are expensive, though. Yeah, they are. The furrier and all that other fun stuff. Your mom's going to buy a cow this year. Yes, and you get to name it. You get to pick out your own cow. I don't know if we're going to get time to do that. Make time. You want this cow. I do. You love, you hate horses because they're big. I fucking love cows, though. But you love cows. Cows are brilliant. Which are also big. But they're lovely and friendly. Cows kill people too. <laughs> I think people get killed by cows more than they get killed by horses. Why are you trying to turn me against cows? I'm I'm not. I'm I'm just I'm I'm just I'm just I'm just pointing out that horses are also lovely. Our penultimate storyline for tonight. <laughs> Gary is such a loser. <sighs> 
Just on Friday, Gary spots Nick in the street and now wants Nick to make it worth his while to keep his trap shut. He seems to be fishing for Kirk's job and Nick tells him to GTF. Then in the rovers, Gary complains to Bethany about not having any work and not getting any joy from Nick. Leave it with me, says Bethany, who seems intent to solve everyone's problems these days. Right, yeah, because Gary goes to Nick first and asks him, you know, he says, if you want me to do this, then you need to pay up. And Nick kind of laughs at him about, you know, about him trying to blackmail him. And he's like, I've only got a fiver to my name. And Nick's like, it's not my problem. And he's like, well, just give me a job. You know, you don't have to pay me off, but can you give me a job in the factory? Because you need people. Because he does. Because Paul's on vacation, apparently. And Kirk is off singing. <clears throat> then Bethany nabs Nick, who seems to be loading one of the vans by himself, which allows Bethany to make a pitch for Gary to help out. She convinces him and tells him to tell Gary to meet him later. And she does this at the pub while Sarah is standing there, but everyone seems cool about the arrangement, and Gary is very appreciative. And that's as far as we get with that. Yes. So this kind of brings... Gary into the Nick storyline a little bit, I guess. Cows kill 20 people per year. Horses aren't even on the list of the most deadliest animals. Wait a minute. That's a list of the deadliest animals? Deadliest animals. Sharks kill one person per meal per year. Per meal? (laughs) Alligators kill one person per year. Bears kill one person per year. Cows, 20 people per year. Dogs, 28 people per year. And other mammals... So horses would be lumped in with other mammals. Mm -hmm. Kill 52 people per year. That's predominantly horses, I would imagine. I think it's mostly deer. Bees, wasps, and hornets kill 58 people per year. Because people are allergic to bees, wasps, and hornets. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Spiders, seven people per year. Spiders? So spiders kill more people per year than horses. So my phobia makes more sense than your phobia. You don't know that because you don't know the, the horse number. It's lumped in with the 58. Well, how do you know that it isn't 7? How do you know it isn't 9? <laughs> it's lumped in. By definition, you don't know what that is. Fine. So that gets Gary Nick involved Gary in, in the same... Yeah. Oh, oh wait. You, you forgot uh, later on uh, that Sarah... Or, no. That Bethany tells Gary that she's gotten him a job. And Sarah's sitting right there. And Sarah says, what? I absolutely said that. Did you? Yeah. Oh, I was looking at cow deaths. That's right. <laughs> Sorry. It's mostly farm workers, so you're safe. So that's that storyline kind of mere. So maybe I think they're trying to make us think that Gary could be involved in this again, and I don't really see how that could possibly so. work. I don't know. I don't think so. I think. It's... But again, if it's Nick, it's very obviously Nick, and it's too obviously Nick. Nick has done wrong shit, but I don't think he's responsible. Lots of people for the, have done wrong shit. Yeah. That's this is the problem. Yep. It's almost as like they're deliberately doing this. Right. Who knows? But the weird way he's been acting lately, it could have been Roy. <laughs> I still think Roy Maybe he did it in his sleep. Remember when he was sleepwalking? Exactly. Yeah, yeah he broke the down boat. the sailboat. He has previous. Yeah. Our final storyline for the night is David and Natalie. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, Natalie started to get on my nerves a little bit this week. Just a little I, bit. Just a little bit. This whole thing gets on my nerves. The, the the way the way they've made Shona into like this jealous harpy swooping down and wah, going nuts and stuff. 
it's just after all that she and David have been through. Yep. She should trust him more. Yeah. Yeah, she's very quick to jump to conclusions when yes. when the two of them are working together. Right. Yeah. It's not as if he's doing this through Right. choice or fun. No. It's, no. They're working, so. Right. Anyway, on Monday, Shona is back home and Gail reckons that she's been hiring for 10,000 hours in her lifetime since she's going to celebrate by taking the kids to a movie which will give Shona and David some quality time on their own. Then David and Nick are conspiring in the kitchen. David doesn't think the police are on to anything and Nick hopes so. Audrey and Gail console Nick, telling him not to let that horrid police person get him down plus they have a family holiday to look forward to. Yay! And then comes Shona just as David and Nick leave. Shona seems jealous that David is spending all this time with Natalie. At his job. The, at his barbershop that he owns. <laughs> not the barbers. Natalie and David are chatting about this easy top guy. Natalie calls David Sarkey and then she has a go on a model's hair. Just a, a dummy. Right. It's just the head. Gail comes in and observes the two of them working together. She wants a word with David and tells him that Shona's nose is out of joint. David says that he can't help working with Natalie and Gail warns him that Natalie wants her whole off of him, which is quite perceptive of Gail. Especially since Gail hasn't been in working at the barber shop ever since they got Natalie. Yeah. So how would she even know? No, she has no idea. No. Then Craig is at the barber's for the second time in as many weeks. Natalie flirts with him and manages to upsell shampoo and conditioner. Nick comes in and David explains Gail's theory that Natalie fancies him. Well, says Nick, you're certainly both weird enough, but this thinks that this might work in their favour and encourages him to lead her on. Which is gross and disgusting and Nick is such a dick. I hate this. I, You know, it's, he's just continuing to use the people around him for his own means. Oh, absolutely. Without, thinking without, absolutely about himself. Without any concern for these other people's relationships or home life or feelings it's awful he's an awful person i do not like him natalie wants david to stay behind to give her uh, an extra lesson or they could do something else she says and she grabs a couple of bottles of beer from somewhere and appears to open the bottles with her floof she reaches down with the bottle and seems to pop them open she's using the the bottle opener that's right there by that low fridge where she took the beers out of. Oh, was that Because remember that they have like a bar set up. I thought she used her floof. Oh, well. How strong do you think floofs are? I thought Natalie's was pretty strong. How do you know? Because she opened a bottle with it. But she didn't because that doesn't happen. It appeared that way. David agrees <sighs> to a drink. Then Gail isn't going to the movies after all because Max has been a dick. She'll stay upstairs and out of their way, and Shona has made an extra effort into making a fancy curry, but David is late. Mm-hmm. Natalie has finally made a decent job of a haircut, and they have another beer, and Natalie wonders what David sees in Shona. David says that she's ace. Well, like how? And David skirts around the bad time they had of it last year, but Saint fucking Shona, says Natalie, who says her own life is a car crash. She's grateful for getting this fresh start, which is thanks to David, and she makes kind of fluttery eyes at him. Then David's late home and he's a wee bitty drunk and Shona's upset that he's late for a dinner he knew nothing about and right. she storms off. It was a uh, pan kneer. Is that, was that what she made? Spinach and cheese. I strummed that again. Yeah, usually it's me. Yeah. 
So now I'm going to make disapproving looks at you. Oh, such disapproval. <laughs> That's what you look like whenever I do that. I do it on a skillet Stella as yes. well when she does it. Yeah, now we could scowl at you. But what she does is she puts her, she puts her hands on the mic like that. Yes, she does. That drives me crazy. Does it? Because it, it, it makes it, microphone. It it makes everything deeper. It's good. I like that. I like that. I like that. Maybe we can do this awfully. Yeah. On Wednesday, then Shona turns up at the barbers with a peace offering as a croissant. Ooh. She says that she'll give him Ooh, notice nah. the next time she wants to seduce him, and suggests that he nips home at lunchtime for his hole. Natalie sees this and is instantly jealous. Ugh. Then Craig is back in the barbers again. What the fuck, Craig? <laughs> Craig, Jesus. Because now he wants a shave, even though he obviously doesn't need one. He has no facial, facial hair. hair. Honestly, don't think he shaves. But he wants a proper shave. Right, because he wants to flirt with Natalie. Natalie surreptitiously threatens to blab to Craig, so David tells him to take a seat. David phones Shona to let her know that he made a mistake with an appointment and he won't be able to do her at lunchtime, so she squishes some squishy cream into her mouth. That was quite funny. Right, yeah, because she's, she's lying on the couch and she's like, and I have strawberries. And chocolate sauce. And he's like, ha-ha. She's like, ha-ha-ha. And chocolate sauce. And David goes, ha-ha. And squishy cream. And he goes, ha-ha-ha. And then she's, he's like, oh, well, I'm sorry. You know, after after allowing her to say all of this, that's when he says, oh, I'm sorry, I can't come home. Yeah. And she's, she, you know, she's half dressed and, and then she, all slinky. And then she squishes all the whipped cream into her mouth. Yeah. Symbolic? No. <laughs> but it is something that women do when they're pissed off. I love squishy cream. Yeah. Yeah, I know. A little too much. I never have it. I never have it. I love it and I never have it because it's Symbolic. gone. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Natalie is oh. giving Craig a shave. He looks like a ginger Santa Claus. David and Natalie fight with the shaving cream having a laugh when Shona comes in and is pissed to see David having fun. She storms off again and David tells Natalie to hurry up and finish Craig off. But not like but that. But not like that. Craig goes off happy. Santa Claus was, was ginger. Santa Claus is coming to town. Comes he was once a played year. by Mickey Rooney in the um, stop motion animation Rankin Bass. Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa Claus was ginger. Oh, really? Yeah. David reckons that Natalie's smitten and she admits she is, but not with Craig. She reckons David feels the same, otherwise, why does he keep choosing her over Shona? Maybe because she keeps threatening to not. tell people about Nick's dodgy dealings. Right. And, and then she kisses also, him. He's not. This is his job. It's his job to be nice to you because you're working for him. And she kisses him. And he does not kiss back. He makes it clear that he isn't interested, but Natalie seems to think that David has been coming on to her for the last few weeks. Which Fl I don't think he has. No, flirting nonstop, she says. It's just his personality. Well, David jokes that she's only human, but he's with Shona. He gives her mm -hmm. cash to go off to the shop to get out of his hair for a while. Right. Then Shona confides in Roy at Roy's roles that she's worried that David and Natalie have got something going on and wants him to go spy on them. He doesn't think this is ethical, which she takes as a no. Then along comes Billy and Shona and starts badgering him Billy. instead. Yeah. So and Billy's not wearing his collar today. No, he's casual vicar this week. Yeah, yeah, he seems to always have his collar on. And then this week, I don't think I've ever seen him without his collar. It's weird. So Billy's in the barber's very obviously asking questions about Natalie. 
David sees through it and Billy confesses that Shona put him up to it. Billy quickly pays and then leaves. And now Natalie's worried that she's going to lose her job and then Nick comes in and is immediately suspicious. David confides in Natalie that he's not about to fire her or grass her up. Then Billy's at Roy's rolls and he confesses to Shona that he grassed her up. Oh, for fuck's sake, says Shona. And at home, Shona blames David for her being jealous. But they make up and look forward to the family holiday. She wants to make sure he's telling her everything and he insists that he is. Uh-huh. So on Friday, David is checking the oil before their holly bobs and he sneaks a smooch with Shona when Natalie walks by with some top quality banter. And then wears unicorn ears. Yeah. Shona wants to punch Natalie in the throat. Then next to the barbers and David explains about Natalie trying to get her hole off of him. It was like snogging Henry the Hoover, says David. David wants rid of her, but Nick isn't so sure. But Natalie's in the background and she seems to overhear lots of this. Sean is back at the barbers despite that allergy thing and in comes one of Craig's co-workers looking for a tidy up. David gives it the green light and then Natalie says something vague that suggests that she did overhear David and Nick after all. Mm-hmm. But Natalie has done a bang... About how she's cack-eyed or something. Yeah. But Natalie has done a bang-up job on Craig's pal's hair, so much so that he asks Natalie for dinner at the bistro and she accepts. Sean makes double entendres and Natalie reveals that she heard everything that David and Nick were talking about and tells David he'd better hope that she doesn't get loose lips again after a few drinks, otherwise who knows what she'll tell that nice policeman. Uh, and it's like, just stop. This is getting so old, this whole, oh, you never know what I'm going to say, you never know what I'm going to say. I mean, especially since... They did give her a job. She is working there. So, what the deal? This is why she's such a pain in the tits this week. It's because yeah. she keeps on doing this. Right. It's like, eventually Nick is going to kill you. Yeah. Something really bad is going to happen to you if you keep on doing this. Right. Just shut the fuck up and go on with your job. Seriously. You got a job. That's what you wanted. Shut up. Nick is back at the barber and he tells... Uh, and then David tells Nick about Natalie's super hearing. Nick encourages David to apologise to her. So later, David sees Natalie not blocking the bistro, and Natalie does that thing she mm-hmm. does when she says something that seems innocent, but could be interpreted as a threat. Again, she's been doing this a, a bit too much. Yeah. And then Craig's pal meets Craig in the bistro and boasts about getting a date with Natalie. Which I thought Craig was going to react badly to, but it didn't seem bothered at all. Yeah, well, Craig, Craig tends to internalize things meanwhile david apologizes to natalie claiming that he only said what he said to please nick but later natalie tells her date that david is a creepy stalker who wants in her knacks but it's nothing that she can't handle yeah which again making stuff up lying when they have a moment alone natalie's date approaches david saying he could have david lifted he says which isn't true he says david has wee man syndrome which he doesn't. Natalie has told him everything, how they kissed and that, and she's not into him. Of course, Shona arrives just in time to hear all of this. Right. And she's furious, and she lamps Natalie, whose date tries to arrest her. Natalie doesn't want this, but insists that David led her on. Shona exits, stage left, pursued by a David. And David catches up to Shona and tells her Natalie's mental. I mean, it's just, says David. <laughs> Then outside the bistro, Natalie and David once more meet up while the date goes off to get a taxi. Natalie, who's obviously done a sizable bump of coke in the toilets, taunts David that sooner or later she'll tell someone what Nick made her do and she'll do it in such a way that she gets off scot-free. She pinches David's cheeks and goes off to get her hole off the copper. And that 
unbelievably, that's how we end this week's episodes. Ugh. Oh. I almost want Natalie to get killed off now. I kind of liked her in previous weeks. I liked weeks. her. I was sympathetic with her. You know, I thought she was good fun. And then it just... She wasn't much fun this week. Yeah, it all fell ass over backwards. It's like, how many times do you think <laughs> this is going to work? And, you know, this is not... <sighs> you can only threaten so many people so many with times. the same thing over and over again. Right. You either have to do what you're threatening to do. Right. Or just shut up. Right. And she's kind of pushing it a little bit beyond the, the bounds of... Right. Yeah. And she's, you know, in her whole thing at that last bit. Oh, well, my boss, you know, threatened if I didn't do this for him, you know, and talking about David. And he's like, wait a second. David wasn't your boss at the time because this money went towards the barbershop. Yep. So that doesn't work. And what is wrong with you? And I have to ask why Nick got her involved in this in the first place. Because he must have known that she was a complete fruitcake. Well, again, remember, when she showed up, she said that um, Nick's wife had fired her from the restaurant and had made it so that she couldn't get a job anywhere in Nottingham. Oh, that's right, yes. So she did. So, did she have a relationship with Nick herself at one point? Because that's the only reason why What's-Her-Name would be mad at her, right? Yeah, I can't think of anything else. So... So is there something else going on here that we don't know about? I, or that they... Or Either way, Nick should have known. If I need somebody to help me out with this grand scheme of embezzling money let's go for the coked up fruitcake because what could possibly go wrong well obviously uh, she owed him or or something something was going on in nottingham between him and her for her to be the one that he chose right and the ex-wife must have found out that something weird was going on between the two of them and I still don't understand how she could make it so that nobody in Nottingham would hire her. No, that's unfeasible. No, because it's it's not a small place. Yeah, it's not the biggest place in the world. It's the smallest city to ever win the European Cup. Yes, we learned that at on Realistapa this <laughs> well, week. Oh, you listened to that as well? I was in you, the car sitting right next I to you. I thought you were asleep. <laughs> there, were other, there were other fun facts about Nottingham and I can't remember them. Yeah, the guest, that's, it was a good guest right, this week yeah. Rahul Astapur. Yeah. Robin Hood's not real, though. No. And he's not from Nottingham. Yeah, not, just as Richard Herring said, not only is he not real, but he's not even from Nottingham. <laughs> right. <laughs> he doesn't he's exist that he's not from Nottingham. Lester. Yeah, it was hilarious. Yeah. Your moment of the week. Tracy scaring the shit out of Millennial Jay. Absolutely, that's exactly what I've got as well. Yeah. I, I loved that. It was, that was great. It was a great wee scene. It was perfect. It was, And it's nice to pick a, a moment of the week that was just funny. So that's our moment of the week. Moment of the week. You know what we didn't talk about? What? The Abbey scenes. Oh, about the marbles? Yeah. yeah I, I didn't and, know and, her, and her saying, telling Sophie that her talent is wasted as a waitress in a shop that she should become a teacher or something. Yeah. I thought that was inter- an interesting thing. Maybe was, Sophie's going to go back to school. There was just a couple of scenes and the last yeah. time there was a, 
storyline, it was just a couple of scenes you gave me a hard time for even mentioning it, so I didn't bother. Yeah, because those didn't involve Abby, who's my favourite character. <laughs> okay. Boring moment of the week. <sighs> Take your pick. <laughs> Can you think of a boring moment of the week? Uh, I wasn't hugely impressed with uh, Toya doing dishes, but something interesting came right, out Right, yeah, because she was doing dishes with Nick, and that's where that whole conversation came from. Right. Uh, Toya and Imran making out behind the van when they're still sneaking around. And Imran, you know, oh, 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 when Imran calls Toya Mrs. Carter, and Toya has no idea who Mrs. Carter is. Yeah, that kind of fell flat, didn't it? Yeah, that was that was pretty awful. Oh. How does she not know who Beyonce Knowles is? I had no idea what they were talking about either. You didn't know that he was talking about Beyonce? No. So that's our... Boring moment of the week. Boring moment of the week. Sorry, Mrs. Carter. Yeah. That Toya's not in the beehive. Completely lost to me. So, it is coming up for 9.30. Do you want to finish this up? Yes, please. So if you want to get in contact with us, here's how you can do so. Our email address, our Skype address, our PayPal address. PayPal? Is the talk of the street at gmail.com. Yeah, I started a little PayPal account. We talked about doing Patreon. Uh-huh. So we needed PayPal for that? I've never been comfortable doing Patreon and doing extra content. But if, for whatever reason, you enjoy our podcast and you want to throw a couple of bucks at us... You can feel free to do so at the talk of the street at gmail.com. It will be gratefully received and we'll give you a name check and And we will probably have a Patreon thing. And thank this you lovely. Because I am slowly wearing Gav down on that. <laughs> so that'll be on the racking up lots of medical bills. It'll be on the yeah. It'll be on the uh I'll stick a link to it on the blog as well. So that's how you get in touch with us by email on Twitter and Facebook. We're at Corey Podcast and our blog is the talk of the street podcast.wordpress.com. Thank you ever so much for getting to the end of another episode and we will be back next week with more Talk of the Street. Bye. Cheerio. This episode was brought to you by Donahue Solicitors, an award-winning firm of expert compensation claims lawyers. Donahue Solicitors represents claimants throughout England and Wales in their civil actions against the police, data breach, personal injury, and professional negligence claims. To start your compensation claim, go to www.donahue-solicitors.co.uk or call 08000-124-246 today.